1: That sci-fi love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and March, face evil's mind.
2: everybody, I'm Chad Bokelwind. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast.
3: Episode 275.
2: That's right. It's coming out, what, uh, Friday? Yeah, Friday. That's the game plan. That's the game plan. So that's April 7th. That's the day after my birthday. I was 30 yesterday.
3: <laughs> Happy birthday!
2: Uh, Woo! And partying this coming weekend. Yay! That's yeah, a good thing we're releasing this on a Friday <laughs> <laughs> because I won't be available on the Saturday. <laughs> so, cool. Uh, yeah, so we what we're going to be doing is we're going to be covering um, the Boom Studios and DC Comics crossover event, Planet of the Apes and Green Lantern. Uh, the uh, We're doing the first two issues of that crossover. Um, does it have a name, this crossover? No, I don't is it just so. Planet of the Apes Green Lantern? Yeah, I don't see a
3: subtitle like anywhere yep. in here. Nope. That appear to be a subtitle.
2: All right, cool. Well, um, I'll save right away. Planet of the Apes is Mark Stick. <laughs> That's his wheelhouse. I don't know much about it. Uh, so forgive me if I have to like look closely to make sure I'm saying these names right. But anyways, uh, let's get right into it. I'm gonna take issue one. I have story by Robbie Thompson, writer Justin Jordan. Uh, artist Barnaby Baganda?
3: There's a name for you. That's a that's, yeah. that's got some awesome alliteration in that name.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: colors by Alex
2: Guimarez. Letters by Ed Dukeshire. And Design by Scott Newman. This cover was by Ethan Van Skyver with colors by Jason Wright. And
3: then there's a bunch of different variant covers. <laughs> got a crap load of variant covers.
2: Uh, I'd be curious to see the George Perez one.
3: Yeah, the unlocked uh, retailer connecting variant cover.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious because the others, yeah, the action figure variant. Oh, I remember what yeah, that, that one, one was. I cool. saw that one. That was like an Amigo yeah. style, I think. Amigo, yeah, yeah, that was cool. yeah, I think so. All right, so we open on a world. We are not told what world. We're not given a sector or anything like that. And we see a cloaked figure. And in front of him in construct shackles, we see Bleez St. Walker, Carol Ferris, uh, I'm assuming Carol Ferris, um, could be an alien female Star Sapphire. Uh, Fleas, uh, We also see. Uh, I'm gonna say that's Nort.
3: Yeah, it looks like it's Nort. Uh,
2: did I say Bleas? Yes. Yeah, and Nort. and uh, the, yeah, there's Arkillo And who's the Indigo? Is that supposed to be Monk, yes. or do we just? I think it, right.
3: it looks like Monk to me.
2: Okay, uh, he is quoting uh, uh, this cloaked figure is cl- uh, quoting some um, uh, bullshit. <laughs> I'm not gonna try and say it uh, say it. It's just it's like a spell. Uh, and then shoots yellow energy at everybody. It erupts through all the, these various lanterns and the energy blows this cloaked figure back. And shoot the, uh, it shoots off into the skies. Then we see a crater, uh, and a, a meteor impacts on a, on a world and, uh, form a crater. And we see a woman standing outside the crater. Uh, she is tapped on the shoulder by Cornelius. And Cornelius is asking if, uh, Nova, uh, has seen Taylor. Um, And, you know, he's you know, you're you're searching for him, too, aren't you? I wish you could speak. What have you found? And he looks down in the crater. He goes down to uh, uh, to the bottom or falls rather. I mean, he tries to go down, but he's going down on purpose. But he's kind of I guess he falls on the way down. And on the bottom of the crater, he finds a ring and he picks it up, studies it and says, I can't leave something as precious as this here. I gotta take it back and study it. Uh, he gets back out of the crater, and Nova is gone. Uh, he has he's studying the ring, and he says, "I wonder what Zero will make of you." As he's studying it, back at uh, his his home or his lab, um, Zero says, "What is it? Is it something related to Taylor?" He's like, "I don't know, um, but I did find this." Uh, and she's, you know, he says, um, "Whatever that energy was from the sky and unearth." that ring. I've never seen anything like it. I believe it's more evidence of a ancient human civilization. He's like, oh, you brought it here. Ah, yes, that was truly wise. Uh, he's like, what choice did I have? And I won't be the only one to see the blast and if that's a weapon, I can't allow uh, is it Zeus? Yes. Zeus to have it uh, and if it's simply an artifact and she's like, you thought perhaps it'd make a nice wedding ring. He says, well, if we have a wedding, there's uh, there's so much chaos, so much anger. I'm tired, Zira, tired of fighting, tired of the war. Why can't someone bring peace? And uh, as they're facing away from the ring, as it's sitting in a little dish, you can see it's now glowing red. Um, back over to, we'll just call it our, our universe, not Mark's and eyes, but the DC universe, <laughs> um, and we see some familiar red lanterns. We see Scalix, we see Zilius Zox, and is that who I think it is, Rancor?
3: It might. I'm trying to go by that one picture. It could be. It could be. Because we don't really see him
2: again. So.
3: Okay, can I I zoom in on this?
2: Sorry, guys, I have a new app. Uh, It might. Yeah, you know what? I think it is. It's just he's too far back for there to be detail on his face, but when you zoom in, it there's no, like, mouth or nose detail, but there's a shadow of a nose, and the stuff around his eyes looks like Rancor, and his head's on fire. So I'm going to go ahead and say Rancor. Um, Scallis gets punched in the face by a green glove, and we see how Kilowog, Guy, and Aresia taking on the Red Lantern Corps. Um, and uh, Kilowog goes, can't you reason with him, Gardner? You used to be a Red Lantern. And Guy says, I used to be the Red Lantern. Uh, the reds aren't really the reason type, though. Uh, Hal says, Arisia, do you have any uh, idea why they'd attack us? She's like, no clue. And then she gets hit in the back by... <sighs> Dexstar.
3: Yeah, it's a horrible-looking Dexstar.
2: I mean, he don't get me wrong. He looks cool. He does look cool. The artist, but he's not right. <laughs> he's not yeah. a cat.
3: He doesn't look like a cat. A real cat. Yeah, exactly. Um he looks like Rocket. He looks like Rocket Raccoon more than play almost like a blue Rocket Raccoon kind of. That's the way his body wise.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, so, anyways, uh, Dexter hits her in the back and says, "You know, took blees." He says, uh, "Guy says, or um, Kilowog says, we didn't do that, did we?" As he grabs Dexter, looks more like a cat in Kilowog's hands. Yes, and. Uh, Guy says, he's crazier than... Uh, and then, House says, you are going to see a bag of cats, weren't you? He's like, maybe, you don't know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, House says, do you ever feel nostalgic for when it was just the Green Lanterns? Uh, and, <laughs> guy says, I get nostalgic when I was the Green Lantern. And, House says, I get tired of a guy fighting the Spectrums. It used to be simpler, easier. And he, he's like, don't kid yourself, flatboy. It was never easy. And uh, all the Red Lanterns are taken into custody. Um, and he says, it's never easy. And if I've ever learned one thing, it's only going to get worse. Then we cut back to the cloaked figure who stands up with his fist clenched. And we see he's wearing a yellow ring. And then we see it is Sinestro as he takes down his hood. He says, I will admit that was rather more spectacular than I anticipated, but rest assured your sacrifice has not been in vain. It cannot be all of your core will be hunting for me when they realize what I have done, but they may our, uh, Uh, when they realize what I've done, they may already be, but it doesn't matter because at last I know the path to the prize. I will have the universal ring and flies off. Uh, Cornelius is still studying the ring. He puts it on, gets a jolt of power and stumbles out of his lab back over on our earth or our Oa, whatever. Uh, uh, Hal's ring alerts him it says alert alert cross chronal disruption detected they're like what is that and almost immediately the guardians show up and say don't worry about it it's just a a malfunction just get on with your life essentially they're little smug bastards what do you expect Um, and Hal promptly after they leave ignores that and says ring can you show me the location of the um, of the disruption projecting now Lantern Jordan and uh, it says it's Earth. Hal goes to Earth, runs afoul of Sinestro as they attack each other. And then all of a sudden, uh, we see back on the planet of the apes, um, we see Cornelius wandering out. Uh, he's feeling racked with power, pain, whatever you want to call it. He collapses to the ground, points his ring up into the sky, and it shoots a big bolt of energy, which somehow... ...has a cross-crawl disruption, (laughs) and uh, shoots at uh, Sinestro and uh, Hal, opens a wormhole, a rift in space-time, and Sinestro and Hal fall through as they're fighting, their rings go blank, they both land in the water, Sinestro uh, Sinestro and Hal, their rings uh, run out of power, and Hal swims to the surface and passes out on the beach where there's a, the uh, top half of the Statue of Liberty. Um, there's energy, uh, like looks like green energy, crackling all around Cornelius, but he stands up and he is wearing a Sinestro Corps uniform. He's like, what's happening to me? He hears the noise, who's there? You, and he's surrounded by humans in uh, various garb. He says, stay back, whoever you are. And they don't speak, but they telepathically communicate with him and say, we are the sons and daughters of the great power, enough to remake the world once more. Um, we can feel it. It's, it's power, you're the power that he has. It's a power more pure, greater than the divine bomb, enough to bring peace. He's like, uh, your lips don't move. He's understanding the te- telepathy here. Um, they want to take the ring. He says, no, it's mine. Uh, if you... Uh, and they're like, well, if you not give it, then it'll be taken from you. And he says, I have lost too much. I will not lose more. You cannot take this from me. His word bubbles have become red. And he shoots uh, flames and energy at the uh, individual approaching him. And it is, he's now wearing a red lantern uniform. He's like, what have I done? They, all the remaining humans bow towards him. And he's, it's to be continued.
3: Dun, dun dun What do you think, man? I don't know what I think. I think there's some, there are some cool things in here potentially. Uh, obvious from a storytelling point of view, this this story takes place clearly between Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's where. That's kind of where uh, this fits into you know, the chronology of the ape movie series. I there's something. I mean. In a way, it's kind of harder to get into the Universal Ring concept because because now we have to figure out how it distinguishes itself from the Phantom Ring,
2: which they do in the next issue. But they don't necessarily power wise yeah, describe how yeah. it differentiates. Uh,
3: the artwork. I mean, they kind
2: of do, but yeah, yeah. They, they
3: they give they give an easy out because basically yeah. it's like you know it's like a <laughs> a, a, a C tier guardian working on it as opposed to an A tier guardian, but. The artwork is sporadic, at, you know, at, at best. In here, uh, some characters that we know look okay. Some characters look horrible. Uh, not just Larfleas, of course. I mean, Hal looks pretty shitty. Sinestro looks okay. It's a different style. It's a different arts artistic style for Sinestro, but it's okay. Hal doesn't look particularly good at all. Um, I don't even like the way some of the ape. I don't like the angular approach of drawing the ape. So I know it kind of works. I, uh from a storytelling point of view based on what we know about the characters I'm not entirely I didn't really like the idea of Cornelius just you know killing somebody so, like that so randomly uh, but I guess it, he's but I guess if you look at it from a movie from the movie series point of view and you look at what happened in Escape from the Planet of the Apes what Cornelius was capable of when he gets pushed you know you know basically to the point of no return then I guess he is capable of you know, of of letting anger, of having that much anger in him where he could kill. So I guess maybe it's really not 100 percent out of character. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. And I kind of alluded to this uh, the last time. I think I read. We talked when we did Star Trek, when we just did the Star Trek episode. I'm kind of getting sick. I'm kind of getting sick of the. Uh, we don't know what to do with St. Walker routine. So let's kill him or take him off the table for basically the entire series all the time. I mean, it's get it kind of gets old. You know, if they were uh, I kind of one thing I do like about this is at least they're trying to work this more into current continuity with the things yeah. that are going on. Because I think I think because I, I think we get the reference point about you know about taking a, killing one lantern from every, from every core, and and I think Guy says something about you know it must be Walker because he's the only blue left, which is kind of funny, yeah, which is kind of funny because when we get to Hal and the core soon, we'll find out. But it, since St. Walker seemingly has amnesia about who the hell freaking Guy Gardner even is. So it's kind of funny that Guy Gardner and this is the one. Goes, oh yeah, Saint Walker. Uh, I think it's the stuff on the Planet of the Apes. I think is pretty cool. I it's it's a it's a fresher dynamic than Star Trek. So I think I like that. You know, some of the colors are kind of cool too. Like when Hal and Sinestro were fighting in space. I don't think they're they're not. They don't. It doesn't pop like the uh, Star Trek one. But but it's it's also a different world. I mean, if you take it as an environment, I mean, the Planet of the Apes is a a much more dreary and uncolorful and non, you know, technologically advanced world. So in a way, more duller colors would kind of would kind of work. I like, I did like the, you know, when Hal's crawling up on the beach, you know, kind of like damn it all to hell, trying to you know do the Taylor homage. When Taylor first finds the Statue of Liberty and realizes that he's that he's back on Earth, I do kind of like that little homage. Um, so, it's it's not bad. I mean, I certainly like this issue, and I think I like the first two issues better than I'm liking the new Star Trek series. So,
2: um, I, I it's been a long time since I've watched the original Planet of the Apes movie, but I remember it enough to know who um, Cornelius and Zia are. Uh, and I remember Nova, but was not was, was it, is she a brunette? I thought she was a blonde for some oh, reason. she's a brunette. Okay. I could, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of uh, something else. One of the, was, there was some, there was a woman in like loincloth, a blonde woman, right? In some old B movie.
3: Oh, are you, th- are you thinking like the, the classic, like Raquel Welch thing? I think blonde, so. Even though she's not really blonde, she wasn't really blonde, but I guess. But yeah, I think you might be thinking of the, but the the what was it? One million years BC or whatever it was that yeah, that movie like that. that she was in that kind of helped put her on the charts. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it, it could be. Yeah, you could be kind of maybe you, you could be thinking of that. Uh,
2: but uh, so I recognize all these people
3: except the last pages.
2: Who are those people? Is that something I should know?
3: Only if you saw beneath. Because those are the those are the those are the mutants those are the mutant humans that have survived the nuclear basically the nuclear fallout and then the their gene pool has been contaminated by the by the nuclear fallout so their faces are all the faces are all destroyed they were they wear they wear they wear masks they can talk but they basically communicate through telepathy and as they say in, in beneath the Planet of the Apes that they, that basically they don't kill anybody they get their enemies to kill each other because they just put thoughts and they drive people to or People are apes, whatever. They try to do whatever they need to do to drive people to convince them to do what they want. So so that's what the reference to the Divine Bomb and all that stuff is. So that's... Um,
2: Their faces don't look messed up here, though, do they?
3: No, but they're... No. But, they, but they, they...
2: Yeah. No, they, they kind of do when, when they're first shown going up against uh, Cornelius. But the rest of the pages... Well, no, there's a couple, you know, and maybe it's just a couple of them, because that one dude doesn't, but some of the others behind him do. Are there some of them that aren't
3: No, but deformed? again, they're all, they're all, they're all wearing masks. Oh, okay. So. Okay. That's why if you look, if you look at their faces, their faces are human, but they're pretty nondescript, and that's kind of, So. Of course, in the comic book, you can have, you have more leeway because you can do that. In, in the movie, of course, they were, they were supposed to look fully human because, of course, they really were human at the, when they were filming those scenes. And then they just the real masks mm-hmm. were, you know, the prosthetics and everything. that were when they, you know, un, underneath when they needed to create the create the illusion they were wearing human faces, you know, on on the surface only. But so. Yeah, that's in the comic book you can kind of make it more look like it almost like it's it's there's something wrong with their human but there's not something but there's something not quite right about their faces but.
2: yeah um, relic of an ancient security system simply an oversight as we said nothing to concern the lantern core okay they don't really say anything much there um I feels pretty straightforward. Uh, I mean, Monk, uh, if they're going based on current continuity, Monk should already be dead. Uh, so he, sh- he they should have just sacrificed a... Uh, Sinestro should sacrif- have just had a sacrifice a random indigo. That's a small nitpick. Uh, sacrificing Carol, I mean, does it really look like Carol?
3: I mean, it could not be just like it might not be monk cuz you don't really get to see the beard i don't think it could not be we just i think we just logically will assume it is because if you think about it those are really rep- those really were the members of the new guardians other than nort um,
2: oh and, and speaking of uh, st walker's treatment arkillo's treatment
3: oh uh, yeah let me let me let me go out, yeah let me talk about that briefly because again i'm trying to save my major arkillo tirade for when we do the blue lantern arc in uh Coming up soon in the Hal Jordan the core reviews. Yeah, this just—I mean, it's, I between, between our—it's kind of funny considering that, that that they really are friends because they both really have have gotten the shit treatment for like years and years now, and I mean, and it's like they're kicking it up a notch now with Arquillo. It's like they took away all the all the positive character development we got in first in the new in the new Guardian storyline, which is kind of ironic because Justin Jordan is doing this, but. It's even though some of that some of that development was actually that development was before Justin Jordan came on. So let me let me take that back. That was that was back when it was the, the new guard when it really was the new guardians, one of every core. So let me take that back. That that Justin Jordan has, didn't have anything to do with that part of the the run of the book. That all the positive character development we've gotten from our Arcillo and all the growth we've gotten from our Arcillo. And I know this isn't real continuity, so I'm not I'm not this this just is just like icing on a shit cake. But it, so it's not really it's, you know, it doesn't really bother me all that much. It's just, yeah, what's... It's more like it's the same thing with St. Walker. Jeez, I'm shocked. But with the Archillo thing, all that positive development they've done with with Arkillo, all through New Guardians and then with Cullen Bunn and all the stuff, and between, you know, and friggin' Robert Venditti and all the stuff, they just kind of, like, sweep it off the map, even though it's like they're gonna try to somehow revisit it with Guy now, but it's like... Archillo has gotten the shitty end of the stick for a long time, and the fact... And in a way, this is like the This is like the the... The absolute pinnacle of it, because the guy that he's a loyal, he's been the most loyal to his entire, you know, his entire life. You know, is is Sinestro, and then here's Sinestro killing him, which is probably not unrealistic to be honestly. But at all, I, I almost would have preferred a different, you know, Yellow Lantern to do that too. I mean, since clearly they're not establishing it's just one Lantern of each core left, because they don't they talk about only the Blues like that, and and Sinestro talks about you know the other cores be hunting him down for what, what he has done. They could very easily... I mean, he could have picked... Uh, yeah, he could have picked anybody. You
2: know, Carousel yeah, or...
3: Rotma, Rathma, Ratmat or whatever. Uh, they could have picked... Uh, Romat Ro- Roo. Yeah, Romat yeah. Roo I always get his name wrong. Uh, they could have picked... Yeah, there's so there's so many different ones they, they could have picked. So, I thought that, that probably... That was... I mean, I guess if you wanted. to... Add to the not that we really need to, but if you want to add to the gee, Sinestro, you know, Sinestro has no conscience whatsoever. I guess that's a good way of doing it, but we, but I don't know. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of a crappy way. You know, I'm glad it's not it's not real continuity, and so it's we, we will have at least I will have bigger issues with with killer once we get to real continuity issues, reviewing issues. I mean, no pun intended, but it's still yeah, it's something that it's. It, it, between Arkillo and, and Saint Walker, and uh, like in the first couple of pages of the book, it's not a way to, to get to get me feeling warm and fuzzy and really getting into the story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right,
2: well, I think we uh, dissected. I mean, there's not. A, it, it's it's ob- it's the first issue. It's set right. up. Uh, I, th- I think we dissected as much as we could out of this. So we want to move on to the next issue.
3: We will move on to the next issue. Looks like the creative team's the same. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, so I'm not going to go back and reread it again. Uh, so issue, issue, now, the one thing – so you, have, you just have the digitals, right? Mm-hmm. What I like about – and I'm, I'm, not, I'm assuming the first issue was like this too, but during my comic shop's great ordering screw-up like about a month ago when I missed a whole crap load of issues, including issue one of this series. That I, I can't absolutely confirm it, but I like ish But I like the fact that the actual physical cover, for uh, certainly the Van Skyver cover, is like m- more like a matte finish and not a gloss. I kind of mm. think that actually works. It's I mean the paper itself is kind of it's kind of it's kind of you know it's it's got the feel of whereas the co- paper quality is glossy, but the actual finish on it is matte. So I think that's pretty neat. I, can, I think that actually kind of works for uh, this story. Again, going back to maybe the duller colors in the, in the world that uh, that we're dealing with. So issue two picks up where we left off with uh, I almost said Taylor with uh, Hal Jordan washed up on the beach unconscious near the near the uh, Statue of Liberty. He kind of gets he kind of gets poked multiple times or he gets poked with a stick, and Hal grabs the stick finally and says stop stop poking at me you ape. <laughs> it speaks and Hal's like well, you know what what's going on here it's like uh, where is everybody you know the ape puts the stick to his the gorilla puts these stick to his neck, tell him to be quiet. Hal just grabs it and rips it out of his hand. Uh, another ape pulls a rifle on him and tells him to stop, and ha- Hal he puts his ring hand forward and goes, I'm not here to fight. And now Hal kind of gets a refresher course on the fact that his ring kind of died as he was plummeting down into the water on this planet. And while he's kind of looking at his ring, trying to figure out why it's not working, he gets smacked from behind with the, with the stick. And the gorilla comments, Well, Zayus warned us about mocking humans who can imitate ape speech. He'll be happier if we were able to subdue this one with minimal harm. We switch back. Now this this would be the I think the underground the underground lair of the mutants. Uh Cornelia still in his red lantern uniform sees and this is kind of another nitpick I kinda of have about it almost seems like a waste. Uh, to have Taylor Still, kind of wearing the, you know, the the outfit that he wore in beneath the Planet of the Apes, but he's dead with his head, you know, it's poked against one of the spikes of the cells. And you know, Cornelius, is, you know, is like, it's like, what did you do to him? And the, and the the mutants communicate to Cornelius and go, you know, when he sensed the presence of of God, he, you know, you know, we we questioned him. He was difficult. We sought to Cornelius grabs that mutant by the neck, and he goes, he knew nothing of the new presence. We. And, you know, Cornelius now turns green, which was kind of cool. He throws the mutant across. It's like, you killed him, but I will not kill you. And, you know, he's just really upset about Taylor. And then, of course, at that moment, Cornelius turns, you know, he turns compassionate. And he goes, you know, I failed you. I knew this world was ugly, but, you know, but I didn't understand pretty much, you you know, what we were. I don't, you know, I didn't know the corruption ran this deep. I'm sorry. So then he closes Taylor's eyes. And, Cor- and now cornelius is really f- it's really funny cuz he's still he's still indigo at this point but he's really really pissed with the look on his face kind of like a cuz it's like a like a red overcast uh, it's like shadow on his face and he goes show me your god and then we see like the the i think the alpha omega bomb that was prominent in beneath the planet of the apes you know in the with the, you know the pipe organ and everything behind it and cornelius is like this is your god and you know Cornelius just says you know I'm doing what should have been done before and he and he uses his green lantern ring to basically to completely disassemble the nuclear weapon which is kind of interesting because again depending on what a ring is capable of doing on its own you would think that without any now I guess I guess a green I guess a, a pseudo green lantern ring would theoretically maybe have enough knowledge from the from the you know the power battery in the book of Oa to figure out how to dismantle a nuclear weapon but certainly Cornelius would not know it on his own but all the mutants are like oh my you know it's like you know he is the great enemy God will save us he must not do this they're all dropping to their knees not necessarily all like as in praying to Cornelius but kind of like in just just you know being completely distraught uh you know Cornelius you know take he takes that nuclear weapon apart you know the cycle will end it must end I will break the wheel there's this Daenerys moment <laughs> I will break the wheel. He's like, I have destroyed, you know, this to build something better. He's like, you should not worship a false god. He goes, but I will make you all gods. And basically, he's like his his little phantom universal ring. Basically creates duplicate rings. Uh, uh, now we cut back to, to you know, the, D, the proper DCU here. Guys basically flying but to Earth, and he finds out that, you know... Well, actually, no, he's flying, they're flying back to Oa, right, at this point. Yeah, yeah. They've back. already been there. They've been think. to Earth. He's flying. They're flying back. They find out that Hal has gone, and you know, Kilowog, another horribly drawn Kilowog, is like, "What do you mean gone?" It's like, "I mean gone." It's like the signal, the ring detected, led him to Earth. He fought Sinestro, because of course Captain Mustache is involved. I like that. And then they both disappeared, and Arisia's is like, "How can Hal be gone?" It's like, "We're gonna find out." So guy basically does the guy thing and basically goes into the Guardian Citadel all on his own. And it's like, uh, the, first the Guardians are kind of like, you know, may we help you, putting up a good front. And guys like, you better hope so. It's like, you know, so tell me, you know, tell basically tell us what happened with Hal. Tell us what that signal was. You you said that it was none of our concern. Sinester was there, so apparently it was his concern. The Guardians start getting pissed, and then you know, I, I like to, I like this 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 old man Guardian. And do we are we supposed to think maybe this is Ganthet? I don't know.
2: <laughs> no, Ganthet has actual hair.
3: That's true. That is actually true. Uh, I was just trying to figure out who it could be at this point, but uh, uh, the Guardian, the Guardian, this Guardian steps forward and says, you know, Lantern Gardner is correct, that, you know, he deserves to know the truth. That's why I thought it might be Ganthic, because that was kind of like, more like Ganthic's M.O. about stepping in to say, yeah, they do have a right to know this, even though the other Guardians was like, uh, no they don't. The, you know, the Corps have been attacked, you know, a message, a member of each Corps has been killed, and that's when uh got actually, I think it's Kilowog actually, it looks like who actually says this. The Walker, he was, you know, he was the only one in the blue that remained. Orissia's like Hal, and it's like no, Lantern Jordan was not the one taken, but for you know, not for, you know, not for not what Sinestro did. And this is when Guy tries to get an explanation. And now we kind of get, you know, almost like again a retcon history after their failure with the Manhunters. You know, basically, now they t- I like the way they tie Ramy into this now. How Ramy's like kind of fitting into into the lore. You know, one of, one of our one of our brethren, Rami, kind of devised a plan to create rings that would harness the infinite power of the entire spectrum. Uh, there were many fa- failures, and eventually Rami went into exile. Uh, but other attempts were made, you know, less, <laughs> by those less gifted than Rami, and uh, in their zeal they, they turned to sorcery as well as science, and that basically they created the universal ring. It could tap into the emotional spectrum directly, but it was alive in some way. I do not understand fully understand nice little out there uh, driven to create more of itself to pacify and we were unable to destroy it so basically we we, we sent the ring away to some place we hoped it could never be found I kind of like that I kind of like the guardian with the a universal ring on his figure, finger kind of doing the homage to Green Lantern cover 49 even with only one ring on his finger but having that same look on his face holding his hands up Jeez. Yeah. Who, who knows maybe it's Krona <laughs> Everything's Crona's fault. Uh, so, based, so it's like they sent it to a version of Earth, locked in a time loop, I- isolating it from the rest of hyper time. Here's a term we haven't heard much of lately. Uh, guy, all of a sudden, kind of looks like he's a dwarf. The way he's drawn, kind of like I was. What? Wait? Why? And. And that's when the Guardian kind of projects a little, you know, hologram there saying basically this is this is a this is a, pl- a version of Earth in which heroes never really developed. And, you know, the Earth was destroyed and, and human civilization was replaced by sapien apes. And how it basically perpetuates, you know, <laughs> kind of like this Terminator loop, which is what the Planet of the Apes series became. About the fact that, you know, they destroyed this version of the Earth, which th- the one that we're dealing with now in Planet of the Apes, just so Cornelius and Zira... And, and Milo could go back in time and help, more or less, help guarantee that the plan of the Apes were going to, you know, start to begin with, just in a different way. Uh, you know, based on that, now we have, uh, they're basically they're going to send Guy, Arisia, and God, Kilowog looks like he's a gut in that picture, doesn't he? That looks horrible. Looks like he's like 800 pounds overweight there. Now they come up with come up conveniently enough with, with these weapons that are supposed to be that they're supposed to wear, which you know will penetrate into the chronoscope as well as shielding your rings from being drained by the endless hunger of the universal ring. Uh, so they create these little like like little bands that's they're supposed to wear to protect the rings from being drained. They conveniently leave one. They give one to Guy, saying, "Well, here's one for Lantern Jordan. If you find him." Uh, like this is this is kind of cool. A guy goes, that's good because I wanted to swing by the homestead anyway. If we're going to ape Earth, I know just the dude to help us. We cut back to the plan of the apes where Hal and they still left the ring on his finger, which is again they kind of give a, to me they kind of give a half-ass explanation for really why they did that. But Hal's you know Hal's behind bars and in, in one of the t- typical holding cells, and we have Zayas talking talking to General Ursus, and you know Zayas continues to play up the fact that oh this is. They're just mimicking, you know, Jordan's kind of like Taylor in the sense that they're mimicking human speech, not really intelligent. Hal's trying to, you know, make it clear, I am intelligent, you know, I'm, not, I'm trying to warn you, I'm not your enemy, so they turn the hose on him. Uh, Dr. Zeus and Ursus leave, and, you know, Zayas then approaches, you know, Hal and tries to talk to him, and Hal, you know, explains who he is, I'm from Earth, I kind of guess, I'm guessing another Earth. You know, I was fighting another man when I came here, which is kind of interesting. Since Sinest, you think he described Sinestro in a different way, since he doesn't quite look like a man. Doctor Zayas ch- takes up, jumps on that cue and goes, "Taylor, are you an enemy of Taylor?" And he goes, "No, no. The, you know, his name is Sinestro. There's, you know, there's something dangerous here. I don't know what's going on, but he's behind it. You have to understand. I'm not your enemy." You know, the gorilla turns the hose on him again. Ursus being General Ursus is like, "Oh man, is our enemy." And guard guard him. Do not listen to his lies. We should speak, Doctor Zaius. Zaius and Ursus go off to talk, and you know Ursus just goes, you know, you don't really believe that claim, you know, what he's claiming that he's from another Earth, do you? And he goes, oh no, of course not. You know, and Ursus like up until recently I didn't even believe, you know, I, I, there was such a thing as uh, the concept that a man could speak. And they kind of and they talk in, in Zaius' chamber, and Zaius kind of points out that he doesn't really believe that they came from space or anything like that. But clearly, they kind of, you know, they came from the same, they share the same mythology, the, the, the same culture that believes this. Um, Zaius talks about, um, you know, you know that basically a young ape discovered some troubling evidence of the human culture, just as these humans showed up, which is relate, you know, which is a reference to the fa- to the uh, forbidden zone. And Ursus is like, they will need to be eliminated. Ape City is already in chaos, Some young apes <laughs> wanting reform. Now, we can't tolerate any threat. You know, tell me where they, you know, where they came from, and my army will destroy them. And Zayas, they they come from the only place, they could, basically the only place they could, the place you've wanted to conquer for years, the Forbidden Zone. Hal kind of shows his intelligence, and again, how non-intelligent the, the, the guerrillas are, because Hal kind of basically fakes this, a seizure of some kind. The apes go in to check on Hal. Hal kind of like ba- tricks them and knocks them knocks them down. Uh, he he's able to you know knock, knock one unconscious. He locks the other one behind in, into the cage. Hal grabs a rifle, and at that point, uh, Corn- not Corn- Cornelius Azira, oh, what Lucius. And I'm trying to remember who the other. I think the other, the other ape. I don't, I don't think they name the other, the other chimpanzee here. But it's probably Doctor Milo, based on the ape, because Doctor Milo is the, Milo is the, as the ape that ends up going back in time with Zira and Cornelius by rebuilding Taylor or fixing Taylor's ship. So I'm going to assume the older looking chimpanzee on the left is probably, uh, is Milo. So the, Zero's like, you know, no, we're, you know, we're here, we're here to help you. And then Hal's like, well, you, you'll be the first. And Zero, we don't have time. And uh, you know, it's like uh, they kind of explain everything here that uh, you know, we, you know, yeah, ever since Taylor disappeared, you know, you know, Ape City's been on high alert. You know, we helped him escape. But we, can, we can help you. You know, but you have to trust us. But we can get you out. And Hal's like, show us and Z- Zaius is in his office contemplating, like, where have you gone, Cornelius, and what have you done? At this moment, a gorilla soldier comes in, is like, doctor, and all of a sudden, you know, he stops in mid-sentence, and Zayus is like, spit it out, what's going on? And the gorilla's like, the, the. Then all of a sudden, a blade gets slashed, gets driven right through his chest, the ape collapses, Zayus is looking f- looking straight ahead, holding his cane, and we hear, hello, Dr. Zayus. my name is Sinestro, and I believe we, need to speak. Now we cut to Louisiana, in our universe where Guy, Arisia, and Kilowog are at the uh, Bel- Belrev Penitentiary, and basically we find out, you know, we see what what basically Guy's stratagem all along was, if we're going to a planet of talking apes, then who better to take with us than Gorilla Grodd? And that is the big reveal and end splash page of issue two.
2: Woohoo! Yeah. Um... Who uh I barely remember the bad guy here. Barely. I really probably I guess need to rewatch these. Um
3: You mean the gorilla? Or, yeah. Ursus you mean? Yeah. He was only uh, he was only in but he was only in beneath. He kind of was a big he was in a Okay. Yeah. All right. Um now
2: So all right, cuz we can only Everything else that happens in this happens on page, uh, you know, in in panel. The the thing to really dissect is the ring uh, and how it works. So, first and foremost, it's made similar to Raimi's, but by people who don't fully understand what Raimi did and compensate for such by using sorcery, which I thought the Guardians did all the way with after the Starheart, but evidently a couple of them, a couple of them dabbled. Uh, so the the stuff that they couldn't get to work, they used magic to fix, and magic is the ultimate Deus Ex Machina. Why does it work? Magic. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. What I'm, I'm, I mean, I know it's only one panel, but you know what I'm really curious
3: is the Lantern about who banished it. Yes, I was going to ask you that. If you if you had an idea who was who was supposed to be,
2: he looks nothing like it. But I don't know why I went
3: Malvolio. Actually, that's what I was thinking too. I yeah. really was thinking that.
2: Yeah, that's that's. I was looking at him and I was like, uh, the big big buff dude. That was that like wouldn't it be cool if it was Malvolio? <laughs> like, but other than that, I have no idea who. Because I mean, just look at this dude. Because if you look at this neck piece that this uh, this uh, crazed guardian is wearing, and then you look at some of the design on this lantern's face, or uh, his uh, his uh, his uh, uniform rather, it's somewhat oh. similar.
3: Yeah. and Plus, what does he hold? And, what is he, and what's he? what's supposed to be in his hand? It's supposed to be his battery.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I was. It's I'm weird. More, is it, yeah, maybe the battery for this this ring? And yeah. uh, when we were and one this is on a panel where it says we were unable to destroy it, so we sent the ring away to someplace that we hoped it would it could never be found. But so they said they said we sent it. So is this a green lantern that's taking it, or somebody that maybe was in the core or was an agent of the guardians? who was specifically given this ring to take there, and it was a suicide mission. You're not. You're never coming back.
3: Well, if you look at his hand, he's, only, he's wearing something sim- – I mean, it's not quite the same, but he's wearing something similar to Krona's gauntlet. It just doesn't have a backpack on it because it's – Okay, wearing, so, it's,
2: the, so we think the ring is in the box he's holding. It's got the same symbol on it, right?
3: Um, I – so you think that's just him cr- – we're just seeing him create the opening that he's about to put the ring through, but the, yeah. the ring is in the other hand. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. Um, but the, it opens the door for a lot of interpretation because clearly they're setting this up that this that this whole thing took place before the Green Lantern Corps. So it really makes it hard to figure out exactly what this could be or, who, or if it is somebody, why, why we would recognize him because maybe we're not supposed to for that reason. Because again, it's, it's after the Manhunters, but before the Green Lantern Corps. Um,
2: what about the time loop stuff with regards to the Planet of the Apes?
3: Well, the time loop, the time loop stuff, just refers to the fact that the Planet of the Apes began in a different time, in a different timeline, in a different way. In at least according to the. The history that Cornelius remembers, because we get when they come back in time to 1973. Is it, I think they arrive in 73. That when the Cornelius Zira and they're the only two that end up surviving. So let's just refer to those two. That when they end up testifying in front of Congress and everything else, and then and they get even when they get put under like a sodium pentothal and have to tell the truth. That they. All the different things come out about the history and but most of it's just Cornelius based on what he was taught, not when he was not being drugged. he just recalls the history that they're taught, how the apes took over and it, it was a much different timeline that we end up seeing let's say in conquest. That gets speeded along but the time loop comes into the comes into play that because you know the, the world that we're on now, it's without the, these lanterns on it, it gets destroyed at the end of Beneath the Planet of the Apes, because that Alpha Omega bomb, Taylor activates it before he dies, and blows the entire planet, of Earth, up, planet Earth up. But, what happened was, Milo, Cornelius, and Zero found Taylor's spaceship, they were able to fix it enough to fly, they were in space before the planet was destroyed, and somehow ended up in a time loop, and they got sent back into the past. They landed on Earth in 1973, and because Cornelius and zero have a, have a child that lives, who is of course the original Caesar, that changes the timeline. It speeds up how the Apes came to power, but basically it has, helps helped create the loop again. It helps create another planet of the Apes. It kind of like perpetuates the cycle, kind of like in, mm. kind of like in, the whole Terminator thing with John Connor being, you know, the son of Kyle Reese, and you know that's kind of that's a little more that's a little more problematic because at least in this In the time loop of Planet of the Apes, Cornelius and Zira actually did exist in one timeline and then went back and changed and altered time. Terminator's always been shaky because you have the fact that, Ka- that John Connor has to exist at one point in time to send Kyle Reese back because they're contemporary. So John Connor has to have, theoretically, John Connor had to have a different father at one point or else he never would have existed to send Kyle Reese back in time to become his father to begin with. <laughs> because they're contemporaries of each other you know the loop doesn't they don't play around with time till Kyle Reese gets sent back but John Connor's already alive at that point to start the loop so this is this is more of an under this is more of a logical loop I, I think to me of because it's not the same timeline and I don't mean being off by like a, like a couple of years I mean it's like I think it was like hundreds of years difference between from the time the Apes became slaves in Cornelius' world between what happened in the like conquest of the Planet of the Apes when they were only slaves for a short period of time before uh, Caesar helped lead them in a revolution. So but that's what they mean by the basic t- time loop.
2: Doctor Zaius, good or bad?
3: Doctor Zaius probably is mostly bad. He's good if you want to be objective. He's good because from, he he's trying. He's doing the again it's all ends justify the means thing he's trying to protect his people he's trying to protect his world which is why like in the end of the original movie he you know he admits that he's always known about man that he's never that a lot of a lot of the crap that he says about how humans there's never been a human society they were never intelligent they could never speak that he that he acknowledges that that's all bullshit cuz he's always known that it, just like just like the forbidden zone which essentially is is new york that he's that the forbidden zone, was, as he phrases it, was a paradise before you know before you know your kind you know made a you know made a wasteland of it. So it's like so so he's trying to look out for his own people, but you know but he again he's not he's not quite Mister Objectivity here and not willing to for to really listen to reason. He just cares about the apes and that's all that matters. Whatever whatever he has to do, whatever evidence he has to destroy. But anything he has to do to keep the myth and the in the belief that you know apes were made in God's image and they've always been in charge of the earth and ruled the earth that that's what he's going to do. So,
2: uh, I was curious also too about um, uh, how Grodd's going to fit in all this. I think I think he's going to bring now. Here, here's the thing though. Do I'm well? I'm pretty sure this is this version of Grodd is going to be the DC Comics version of Grodd and not the more Flash TV show version of Grodd because I'm interested to see once Grodd shows up, him encountering these apes and, uh, and you know, you know, being impressed at their intelligence and their civilization that they created, but also, like, admonishing them for their almost slightly religious backwater beliefs or the fact that they were not willing to believe the evidence of their own eyes, that kind of a thing. Yeah, that should
3: be interesting. I like that splash page. I think it was – I mean, it's a logical thing to throw into the series, but because it's not really Green Lantern related, that's why I think it's a little bit of a curveball.
2: <laughs> that's that's true. I was – for. I mean, I knew I – mean, based on solicits and stuff, I knew they were going with Grodd. But for half a second, I was like, what about Congo Bill? Uh, it's it's Gorilla right? I
3: think it's Kongorilla.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's that golden ape or whatever, right? The guy with the mind of a man or whatever?
3: I think so. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, yeah, I think so. I think so.
2: Yeah. Uh, he was a member of the Justice League for a while when the Justice League consisted of, like, the the blue alien Starman and all that other shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I don't know. I, again, I think... I. I feel like I'll have more to say of it when we actually. There's some stuff of consequence happening. Um, until then, I don't know really what what there is. Do you think the that uh, Cornelius is controlling the creation of the rings, or he he's dismantling the bomb and crumpling up the the its you know its various makings, and then the ring is is doing the rest. Like Cornelius is not consciously turning them into rings.
3: No, the no. ring
2: is doing it, and then speaking to him, and he's knowing what's happening.
3: Well, yes, and if you actually look at the 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 word balloon, the dialogue balloon, it's a different. It's still green, but it's it's green. But most of Cornelius' dialogue, his balloons are just a normal with you know a normal white with the black around it. But when he's speaking with "I will make you all gods," it's it's a you know it's a there's a this rich green around the whole bubble surrounding it. So that I think that based on what we based on what we find out about the ring it makes you know that is the ring that is the ring controlling cornelius not cornelius controlling the ring
2: okay, yeah it's, because it's, it's it's doesn't it say
3: the ring wants uh, to duplicate itself
2: yeah and it's alive in a yes. way yes. yeah it is okay.
3: alive
2: uh, otherwise i don't have anything else to say about the issue i think it's kind
3: is of it? co- i think it's kind of convenient and again i think part of what bothers me about the, at least the first two issues is there's a lot of things that are like self-serving Kind of like the duex machina thing going on here. I mean, t- take taking away the bomb, you know, is, in a way, you know, is, it, it's it's a plot point that help, probably helps so you, you could duplicate the rings and get these guys to all, fo- you know, to follow Cornelius or whatever. But it's also a c- c- cute, convenient way of taking of you take you know you take apart the bomb. It guarantees essentially that this Planet of the Apes Planet of the Apes isn't going to be destroyed like it should be, and also thus also creates the door for <laughs> God help us more Planet of the Apes Green Lantern crossover. <laughs> <laughs> but if Boom if Boom has the rights to play on the Apes it would make sense that even though again this is not an official timeline uh, in canon for either uh, franchise that it would make sense also you wouldn't want to necessarily you'd like to make sure that you're you know, one of your properties but you can get blown up again anyway since, even if it's not official so I guess it makes sense to her I th- I, I'm kind of disappointed with, with Taylor being dead I think that was kind of a waste uh, I think that was a real waste that Taylor died, uh, especially because up to this point they were following kind of like the timeline for Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and Taylor was captive, but he wasn't dead uh, at all. Uh, so it makes me wonder. So that's a little change in the timeline. I wonder if they're going. I wonder if they're going to show us that Brent, who is the astronaut that came back in time in the second movie to find Taylor if he's actually alive and are, they already have him too, because that might explain why uh, Taylor was dead since Brent and Taylor are mind-controlled into fighting each other before they get interrupted. Uh, but they end up, they were technically fighting each other to the death until the mind-control spell got broken. But it just kind of seems like a waste, especially with all these rings and, you know, it's, seeing Taylor and Hal Jordan together would kind of have been cool. So I kind of, that that's a little disappointing to me. Right. Um, but,
2: all
3: right. Anything else? No, I think it. I think it's off to a pretty good start. Like I said, at least for the first two issues, I'm. I am maybe because it is again. Maybe because it is Planet of the Apes more for me. Maybe it is. I'm willing to go along for the ride more and be a little more open minded to it. And because this is the first time these two properties have crossed over, while with Star Trek, it's the second time. And I had some issues with the first. The first storyline anyway, and I'm not as so maybe maybe it's like it's kind of run its course for me about wanting the the thrill, if you will, the newness of the, those characters interacting. While it's still it's you know it's still here, especially since the first two issues there haven't been a real whole lot of interaction, you know, on the big level between a lot of these characters we know and the Planet of the Apes characters.
2: So. Right. All right. Uh, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to take a quick promotional break, uh, and when we come back, we'll do some listener feedback.
1: Hello listeners, it's your friend PJ Frightful, that's PJ as in Podcast Jockey, and I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight, the podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics, those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The Podcasting Hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware.
4: The end of the world is approaching. Soon the planet will be engulfed in a nuclear Armageddon. And the only people that can prevent this from happening are considered to be the greatest villains of all time. The only thing standing in their way is the Justice League. In 2005. Uh, Wait a second, Are, are
0: we sure about that date this time?
4: Yeah, it's 2005. We're sure this time. Let's just be perfectly clear. I hate all of you so much. Okay, good. Got that. In 2005, DC Comics began publishing a 12-issue bi-monthly comic called Justice. Justice. Written by Jim Kruger with art by Alex Ross and Doug Braithwaite, this series was essentially a Super Friends for adults. And now another group of Super Friends has come together to discuss all 12 issues in a podcasting crossover called J.L. May May. 2017. 2017. The excitement begins on the April 30th episode of the Fire and Water podcast, and continues into Supermates, the Idlehead of Diabloo podcast, Views from the Long Box, the Pulp to Pixel podcast, the Lantern cast, the Shazam cast, Comic Reflections, the Silver and Gold podcast, The Power of Fishnets, Waiting for Doom, and Justice's First Dawn, J.L. May. 2017. Last year, they covered the beginning of the Justice League. This year, they discuss and review the League's Toughest Battle. The coverage begins on April 30th on the Fire and Water Podcast located at fireandwaterpodcast.com
1: Thumbs use your fingers, use your toes, use your fingers. I've got those. Emails
2: and Emails and Emails and All right, guys, we are back from break, and we're going to get into some feedback. But as you heard in uh, that last promo there before the tweets jingle, uh, we <laughs> are going to be participating in the second annual JL May. Woo-hoo! so we'll be talking uh, justice one of one of the issues of justice that's interesting I, you know I, as we record this I've never read justice
3: I have I do it, it's been a long time I do of course it's it's easy to remember because of what all the Alex Ross covers oh, yeah yeah um, so I, I I do remember that I liked justice but again it's been so long since I read it. Uh,
2: But yeah, we'll be participating in JLMA with all those other podcasts, uh, and uh, happy to be a part of it, man. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It was a a pretty big episode for us, so.
3: Yeah, man. should be fun.
2: Lots of fun. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and get into some listener feedback. We've got um, a couple of emails and a voicemail. Uh, First up, we have an email from Tony Crow talking about Planet of the Apes. Uh, Tony says, uh, "Planet of the Apes and Green Lanterns. How was that even a thing? I only the only thing I liked about issue one was that the GL sacrifice by Sinestro looked a lot like Nort. <laughs> only thing. <laughs> uh, only thing I liked about issue two was Grodd on the last page. Tony. Um,
3: so so clearly, so clearly, Tony is not overly enthusiastic <laughs> about this pro- this project." <laughs>
2: I mean, I'm, I'm 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 not on his level, but I'm not enthused yet either. You, I, I, they, I I haven't yet given been given a reason to be like, oh yeah, Planet of the Apes, Green Lanterns number three is coming out soon or anything like that. I'm just like, eh, oh, we'll see. Uh, you got to you got to you got to give me a reason to be like. Uh, I'm, obviously, I'm curious to see what happens, but general curiosity is different than
3: oh shit, what happens next?
2: So, uh, I, I don't know
3: we'll wait for issue 5 when Khan shows up
2: <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> or, or,
3: or when uh, the T-800 shows up <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, and then we have a, uh, a voicemail um, so we're going to go ahead and play that now and uh, we'll respond uh, when we're done
0: hello Chad, hello Mark this is a long time listener uh, Darren from Murphy, and can uh find me on Twitter at DJM nine thirty four. Just wanted to call in and tell you guys that uh really enjoying what you guys have been doing with the show and uh have a couple of things I kinda wanted to get your take on. Uh as in regards to the uh how Jordan and the Greenlander core title. Uh do you think that they'll ever address the uh St Walker uh being uh captured and sort of manipulated by Sinestro during Cold and the Buns run, do you think Vendetti will ever address that or do you think that they're just gonna forget that altogether? And secondly, with uh due to the recent uh Guy Gardner fight with Arkillo and uh in in the Greenland Corps, I believe it was number sixteen if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, it's one where they go head to head. Uh it was nice to see like Guy Gardner like wearing the warrior jacket and everything. I was, I was basically what I was what I'm getting at is that now that considering that we now have officially uh six Earth green lanterns, all coincidentally from the United States, uh do you think that uh Guy Gardner uh that DC would probably try to do uh, a new, say, Guy Gardner Warrior miniseries, but, like, uh, keep out all, like, the 90s, you know, tropes as far as, like, him having his body parts turned into weapons, like, arms turning into guns and so forth. Maybe kind of like do, like, a reimagining of that because it is really getting really crowded with Earth Lanterns. Um, or do you think that they're just going to keep stuffing all these, uh, uh, uh all these ingredients into one big pot of soup, which is, little, can get a little confusing with as many characters as Venditti, Venditti's trying to juggle. Anyway, that's all, um, I was pretty much calling in and wanting to get you guys' take on. Uh, like I said, love what you guys are doing and, uh, if you guys ever need help with contributions or anything for the Cast site, uh, give me a shout-out. Uh, you guys uh, know where to find me, and I uh, hope all is well, and uh, I'll talk to you later.
2: All right, thanks, Darren. Appreciate the, the voicemail. It's been a little bit since we heard from you, so uh, thanks for shooting that in. Uh, so the first thing he asked was about if they're ever going to address... Uh St. Walker's, uh, subservience to Sinestro during Colin Bunn's run. Uh, and three, two, one, no. <laughs>
3: well, see, if you, there are multiple ways to, to answer this, and it's hard, and almost all of them have some sarcasm in <laughs>
2: Well, that's why I, that's why I was yeah. doing the countdown. I was thought I thought you were going to join me in
3: on the, that no, oh, um, but <laughs> well, because because to me it's not as simple as just no. Uh, but if I wanted to, say, but if I was going to go with what you said and just say no, it's going to be because Venditti won't be writing the book when they get to that point. Uh, um, Here is the thing: if we ever get to the point where Sinestro and St. Walker are face to face again, and it actually is relevant to the plot, and some and 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 Robert Venditti feels for the hell of it, to, like, reference something of relevance that did happen in the Cullen Bunn run, which he really hasn't done much of, then he might do it. I don't see it happening anytime soon, because who knows how long Sinestro is going to be off the board. We don't know what – we really still don't know exactly what St. Walker's role is going to be uh, going forward. I mean, we – they, once again, St. Walker could have been brought back for a few issues just so we don't see him again for like a friggin' year. We don't know what's going to happen. Not counting the time travel, whatever thing, story arc that's coming up. That I mean, once in actual real time, our continuity, we don't know what's going to happen with St. Walker and where he's going to be. Whether he's going to hang around the Blues, I mean, hang around the Greens as he tries to form the Blues. Either way. Uh, I think at some point, some writer will touch upon it, Yes just like i like to think some point someone will touch upon the saint walker arkillo partnership as conveniently enough as they're about to give arkillo a new partner uh, it, at some point probably but right now no it's like it's just added to the list of shit that we don't get any t- that has conveniently enough never been discussed or and it gets i think we're both in agreement to various degrees of 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 passion at different times but it's getting old. I mean, it's really getting old with all the plot points that have not been picked up on in multiple series that that Venditti really it's his job at this point to handle most of these because he's got them, as you as Darren mentioned Darren mentioned almost all the ingredients in the soup of the green lantern soup he's got control of. So he's it's his responsibility to start explaining some of these ingredients and why and and giving a little more you know, a little bit more meat in the soup here. Um, so I, I think it's possible, but I, I honestly think he may very well not be on the book by the time we ever get that point revisited. Because I honestly can't believe he's going to... I can't believe his shelf life on this book can be that, that much longer since sales are not particularly good again. And we're not even a year since, into rebirth yet. So I would have to think that at some point that... Which is a different topic, but I would have to think at some point... Somebody else is probably going to, this is going to be somebody else's responsibility. Uh, I don't, I can. I do think, continuing on with Venditti, I do think his plan for the time being is yes, to stuff all these ingredients into one and into one soup. I think we have, even Kyle, it's happening with Kyle now. On some level it makes people happy, on some level not gonna, it won't make people happy. But again, it just confuses things and complicates things, because now you have another lantern you have to figure out what to do with. On a regular basis, uh, and really, and as far as Guy, I could see Guy getting a miniseries. I'm. I mean, i do not see Guy getting a miniseries unless he's still a Green Lantern. I mean, what's the point of that? I mean, I, I know, I know you could try to psychoanalyze what some of the things we've just seen that oh now Guy, Guy without his ring could you know could be much more formidable and buy into that. But I don't see that. I don't see there being a huge interest in that, even from a fan base point of view. Really, let alone. DC having a passionate interest in it. Guy Gardner miniseries, I think is possible. Guy Gardner, Warrior, even without the Voldarian thing thrown in, I don't really see that happening.
2: Yeah, I I, I think if anybody getting their own spinoff series or something, Guy's got it, but they would never... I, I don't think they'd go back to him not being a Green Lantern, because now Guy Gardner's like the... I mean, he used to be the annoying guy, but now he's the you know, after he does something cool with his ring or something, he, like, shoots his fist up in the air and kisses the ring while it's sparking out energy. You know, like, that's the mental image I get when I when I see a guy shooting up into the air and kissing his ring or something like that because he just did something badass. You know what I mean? Yes. That's the image I get. And I don't see that image happening under any other circumstance than when he's a lantern. So I don't think they'd be going back to it. And as far as the, you know, being like a war, like a, a rehashed warrior thing, uh, it, obviously he doesn't have the Voldarian powers or anything like that anymore. But uh, I just don't, I don't see it happening. Uh, I, I I get it. It would make, uh, it wouldn't be a big leap if they did something like that. But I just don't see it in the cards.
3: No, I and. In all honesty, it kind of would be a step back for Guy. I think not because, part, and I think we've kind of talked about this too. Guy's Guy's an interesting character because Guy's been he is, he he is a character that has been re- rehabilitated rehabilitated very successfully, and it's been a long been a long rehabilitation though, because it really started during the Kyle run. It, making Guy Gardner less of a douche really started during the Kyle run, and then kind of got kicked up a notch, you know. After you know, in Green Lantern Rebirth, and then post Rebirth with you know, with the with the core, you know, with the bring the reestablishment of the Green Lantern Corps and everything else. Guy Gardner has really become a very cool character, a got you know, no pun intended, a guy you like now and a guy you'd want by your side. And so, and plus, we also know how much how important the core is to Guy Gardner. So, taking that away from him, yeah, if it was like a mission or something, you could deal with that. I mean, it could be, you know, but it would kind of be your standard trope of maybe him having a ring and then the ring running out of energy and him having to deal with, without, you know. Because certainly it's been established a guy can handle himself without a ring. So, but thinking, as as we were talking, I was thinking about this. You know what would piss me off to no end? And not because it wouldn't be an interesting read-on to itself, but because... Because we should have gotten a different team up. If they friggin gave me a, a, a miniseries or which was friggin Arkillo and Guy Gardner, I would be so pissed. <laughs> because it should have been Arkillo and fucking St. Walker. They should have had. They should have. They should have had at least a story arc in one damn book, including Green Lantern, since that's where they were supposed to be when Cullen Bunn's run ended. That to, to turn around and do something like. Even a, even a friggin' three, like if it's, a, if it's like a three-issue arc or two-issue arc that we get down, like, down the road where it's just Guy and Archillo and that's the whole arc. Basically, those two guys make up like 90% of the book, of the arc. It'll be enjoyable to read, but it'll still piss me off because we should have seen the St. Arkillo team up like that. Especially with the, now that we know how the blues and the yellows can work together in a similar fashion to the greens and the blues. That's something that we should have seen for multiple reasons. So that would piss me off.
2: In the green and the yellow, what? You said you, you can see how the yellows and the blues would work together the same way we see how the green, green and, and the blues.
3: blues. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Jerry's email. Yeah, I'll let's see. So I'm let's read now. Now, Jerry. Jerry Johnson here sent us an email, and it's kind of nice that it, you know because he talked about you know they kind of had given up collecting comic books for a while but now he's back into it and he was actually kind of like surprised to find a, a dedicated green lantern podcast which is us and we th- and this kind of has he gives us credit at least for renewing the interest uh, in this in you know, collecting and that and his kids are reading as well so they they kind of have teamed up to do a podcast together so that's kind of nice Scott, and that's you can check it check out his website you know crazy8comics.com and he's all, and you can also subscribe to them on iTunes uh but the other but the email that he the other email he sent was related to our Star Trek coverage which was about the we talked about the Starfleet Academy Phoenix the their mascot and he did point out that you know the all service academy all service academies have a mascot which is true which is which is true just like pretty much all almost all colleges and everything have mascots too so just any kind of academies whether it's military or even just scholastic is probably going to have Going to have a mascot, but what was interesting, I did I did Google this that I guess there were T-shirts made about Starfleet Academy Phoenix for a while. I forget what year they first came out, but it definitely, but it I think I think I'm I almost thought it predated. I thought it might have pre have predated the Abrams verse, but I'm not entirely sure. But it definitely predated, it certainly predated the uh, any of the two Star Trek Green Lantern series. So at least as so, it also could have been almost like an homage to the fact that that has been out there as a while out there, you know, they've you know for T-shirts and everything that it may have been an homage just to that that that's been out there for Star Trek fans to kind of like that that's been the given the so-called you know nickname or borderline you know kind of like accepted nickname of the Starfleet Academy, you know their their team or their mascot was the Phoenix, so that might have been a, a shout out to that as well why they purposely mentioned it. Uh, and threw in the t-shirts or whatever they did. So, but uh, yeah,
2: I, I I didn't look into it anymore. But I was just I was assuming that if anybody knew anything else, else about it, they'd they'd reach out. So, but thanks for emailing us, Jerry. Really appreciate it.
3: Yes, and thanks for uh, it's good that we helped you get back into Green Lantern and/or comics, and that's that's pretty good. We'll we'll, we'll gladly take that compliment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, um, speaking of people getting a hold of us, Mark, you want to tell them
3: how they can do that? I think I can do that. Uh, easiest way, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, so if you have any questions or episode ideas, issue comments, feel free to email us there. Also, 708lantern is our voicemail, so feel free to leave us a voicemail and let us know what you think. Our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our. All our episodes there, Ring Encyclopedia episodes, which we are desperately have to put a new one up. Dark Star reviews, blogs, movie reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. And last but not least, we are on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you like us on and/or and listen to us on either or both platforms, please leave us a positive review.
2: Alright guys, we uh, just going to do it for this episode, so we'll uh, talk to you next week.
3: That's the plan anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So, good night everybody.
2: Good night.